Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everybody and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It, it feels a little bit different this week, although I'm not sure you guys will notice that, but I'm here, Connor Clancy, I'm joined in presence by Kev Pugzelski. Kev, say hello. Hello everybody. Have you finished making all of the noise you possibly could around the place? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you know, um, it's, it's weird. It is weird, isn't it? It's very, very unusual. We've I've done in-person podcasts before, but not with you importantly which it's always a different experience when you're involved Kev whether it's in person or online so it's nice to have you here in Parma how are you finding your experience being here it's been nice it's been nice it's very cozy mm-hmm. our little working environment little well. this apartment's huge mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> you really do see a glimpse into the life of Connor because uh, I usually see uh, you know yeah. just you in the background and you can never quite gauge where you are in a room or mm. how big the room is well, I'm I'm sat in the same place at the moment, so you're just getting this in 3D now. It must be mm. must be quite an experience for you. Yeah, but also you're sometimes what is now behind me that the listeners can't see. For the for the preview pods, yeah, when the listeners aren't going to see that, I do it over there. Ah, uh, okay. I don't want them in my kitchen. Fair enough. Which is fair enough, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we're here to talk football, Kev. We'll, I'm sure we'll have some more anecdotes about your your weekend in Italy as we go on, but. Round 16, can you believe it, of Serie A has just been played. There are two games, Empoli Udinese and Cagliari Torino, to be played on Monday evening. But, as we often say, who really cares about those two? The eight games that have been played saw Milan beat Salernitana 2-0 at the San Siro. You were there for that one. Roma lost 3-0 to Inter. Napoli went ahead and then went behind, or whatever way it was, I can't really remember. But Atalanta beat them 3-2 in Naples. And Sunday's games were packed full of goals. I was at the first. Bologna lost 2-3 to Fiorentina. I don't know why I said it that way. I do it so often. You were in Venice for Verona's remarkable comeback win as they beat Venezia 4-3. Sassuolo came back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 against Spezia. Lazio beat Sampdoria 3-1 despite going a man down and Juventus beat Genoa 2-0 because, well, of course they did. That's what happens when Juve play Genoa. Just a reminder for the listeners that you can support the podcast by heading over to patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football from as little as €2 a month, but the €5 a month deal is definitely the best value for money because you get three pieces of content a week. The €2 patrons get a little bit less, but... Whatever you can afford to give us, we very much appreciate it. Kev, let's go, shall we? I think the obvious place to start with this one is at one of the few games that FIF weren't at this weekend. And it happened in Naples where Atalanta Napoli played out again. I feel like I'm saying this every week, but one of the best games we've seen this season it finished 3-2, Atalanta led, then Napoli came back to lead, and then Atalanta went ahead again, and it was just an absolute feast 
of football this one a remarkable game between two really exciting teams and Atalanta with the win will feel like they've announced themselves in this Scudetto race yeah I think we previewed the game we previewed the game last um, last week and said that it was bound to have sort of goals in it because of the way that both teams attack and that Napoli were never really going to take an approach where they would try and sit back because they've they've had so much success by by going forward and attacking and it was on the back of a couple of um sort of goal goal heavy wins by Atalanta that we kind of announced a couple of weeks ago that they were back in the Scudetto race and obviously going to the leaders taking on the leaders and with that very sort of to and fro game walking away with three points considering probably around week 9 or 10 we were skeptical whether Atalanta would put uh, Scudetto challenge together were we um i think even you were i think even you were um but it looks like yeah they they they're fully up for it and um, obviously i've got um some players back now but yeah they look um well in it and it'll be great if we can have like a four oh. cuz i think uh, you they are fifth aren't they but anyway they i don't i think they're so too far back points wise now to um but if we can have a four a four horse race for the for the title how good will that be? Yeah, it will be remarkable. And it does seem like, I think we said this on the preview pod as well, but there is that gap building now between mm-hmm. the top four and the the next four. I suppose Juve, Fiorentina, Roma and Lazio will be in that group. And then there's the others in Bologna, Verona, Sassuolo are their own little group as well at the moment. Yeah, and it's the inconsistency below that top four, I think, that mm-hmm. makes you think that the others will, will pull away and have their own little battle. What did you make of Napoli's setup here? Because I, I was quite surprised. I know... Spalletti's hand was somewhat forced in that Koulibaly and Fabian Ruiz got injured in the midweek game at Sassuolo, but he went for a 3-4-3, which is a brave thing to do against an Atalanta team who play effectively a 3-4-3. I know it's a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1, but more or less the same thing. To take that setup against a team who are probably the best team in Europe at playing that system, I found to be quite a brave move. And... I I think it would be harsh to say that's what cost them this game, but why didn't they just stick with what they know against a team as dangerous as Atalanta? Well, Spalletti was maybe trying to be a little bit too clever, well, not necessarily too clever, but maybe he was overthinking um, what to do to try and get the better Atalanta. Um, you know, they have been very good being proactive and going forward, but in a way that 3-4-3 three, three will have quickly turned into a five across a defensive line, whether midfield or, or attack to cope with the width that Atalanta brings. So I don't know, it's early enough in the season. I think if this had been uh, sort of similar points between the two later in the season, maybe he would have gone to what he knows. But um, yeah, probably thought that there was enough credit in the bank with supporters and uh, and just went for it. Napoli's last five Serie A games have seen them pick up five points. Kev, they've lost to Atalanta, drew to Sassuolo, beaten, beat Lazio, lost to Inter and drew with Verona. And before that, they only managed a 1-0 win against Salernitana. So, I don't want to say the wheels are coming off and I don't want to use this as something to say, oh, look, Napoli are rubbish, when in reality, they're a very good team. But now we're kind of just seeing them perform at a more... I suppose reasonable and expected level, but there's there's no reason for people to panic as long as they're still in that top four this season, right? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Because they had a very good run of games at the start of the season, or you certainly were mentioning that they were had a harder run of games coming up, so they could have expected to lose points. So it was important they had those. It was eight, wasn't it? Eight wins on a bounce, mm. which sort of gave them a bit of a buffer to go into these games. And it's not only that these games are hard, but they're coming. There's a very sort of condensed period now up until the Christmas break where they've also got in European commitments. Um, so you, you're just going to drop points and the crucial thing for them was getting enough points on the board to allow them to be within sort of striking distance of the mm-hmm. top come 22nd of December when we have the last round of games before the break. Yeah, well, when this run started with that game against Verona, which was on the 7th of November, there's how many two European games between then and Christmas and two midweek rounds of Serie A so there isn't really any opportunity to rest or to reset so it is important that they just try and um, I suppose get back to winning ways they've got a little bit of respite in that they play Leicester in the Europa League next and then they've got Empoli which is by far the the kindest of their fixtures because then it's it's Milan Spezia and Juve until the 6th of January so the run isn't really letting up, but they've got Empoli now, and if they don't win that, they're they're probably in a little bit of trouble. But on to Atalanta because they've got everybody except for Robin Gosens back. Joachim Mele played well by his standards against Napoli over the weekend, but again we saw these players like Mary Demiral, Ruslan Malinowski, Remo Freuler step up and score when Duvan didn't really have many chances to score himself. But we've got to talk about Demi Ral's finish because we we were out for dinner last night having a burger and some beers when it was playing. And I think this was the first time you had seen the goal. But that was the finish of a seasoned striker. That was not a centre-back's finish. Um, He struck it like a seasoned striker. I think it was a centre-back's finish, by the way. They've gone full power. You know, you, you, when you get to penalty shootouts and you sort of see a, a centre half rock up, you know, mm. you, you know, you know what's you know, just yeah. putting his foot straight through this, um, because you know, it, it was accurate because it's gone in and it was very powerful, but it could so easily have sort of struck Ospina in the face. I, I, what I found about it was so when he went through, I thought that's a good run. Who's that? It's not Duvan. Is it Pessina? And then I saw him looking up and I was like, he was so composed because he went through. And he didn't take a touch for ages, but he, he just looked up and stared at Ospina while he was running with the yeah. ball. I think that's the thing, is it's not it's not necessarily the strike where he puts it. It's how composed his yeah. run and his approach to the ball was. Like he knew, you know, he certainly he certainly had a plan when he when he well, that that's what all he was gonna do. Um and it, you know, he's probably because he's watched strikers run past him or you know, or, or teammates in training and do the same thing. Um but I think if you're a defender, sometimes you have that moment of hesitancy. So mm. He just didn't have that. He just he knew exactly what he wanted, what he wanted to do. I loved that. Um, it was only watching the replay that I realised how funny and Atalanta-esque this goal was. Because when I first saw it, I saw his run and I assumed he had run from deep. But when, I think it was Ilicic got the ball to play it through to him. Demiral and Duvan are standing up there as centre forwards, so Demiral has to like angle his run and bend it. So it was amazing, a real striker's goal that I was blown away by it. But also Remo Freuler, he didn't have his best game, and he's having a bit of a tough time by his standards. But his finish for the third goal, just to open up his body and pass it into the corner with his left foot, I thought was excellent, and another example of just how important he is to this Atalanta team. 
But we've got to move on because the other title contenders, well, they went and easily beat Salernitana 2-0. Kev, you were there for that one. Milan, 2-0. You, it's fair to say, you weren't that impressed by Milan's performance in this one. No, I don't. I don't know if it was how cold it was in San Siro. Can I just um, before? You, yeah, like twenty-two shots, seventy-one percent possession, ninety percent pass accuracy. Uh, seems like a, a comfortable and impressive win. It was comfortable, not impressive. Um, not not for me anyway. Yeah, I mentioned this last night when we were out that because I knew I was gonna go and have a couple of couple of beers in in Milan. Um, that I made a quick note down on my phone and just sort of said Milan didn't take the lead and then control the game they started playing like the Glo- the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> um, but just kept screwing it up you know it was like one pass or one flick too many they, right. they should have been out of sight if they'd had more it, it was I think it was obviously they've got quite a youthful side and I think it was that that desire to try and sort of show off mm. a little bit. Whereas if they'd been more clinical and just gone, let's just get this game done out, you know, before half time. In the second half, to be fair, I wonder if Pioli just went in and went, "What are you doing?" Mm. You know, just finish, finish, finish. Um, and, and after that, there was there was quicker, if you like, attacks with more purpose, and they were just pathetic in front of goal. You know, it, you know, whereas they weren't, they were, they were making a mistake not to make that final, that final pass and, and score the goals that would probably would have made this, you know, probably close to double figures if they really wanted to. Salernitana were that poor. Um, they were just awful finishing second half, even though they were take, yeah, getting their shots off and not trying to over, overdo their attacks. Were you just sitting in the stands whistling Teo Hernandez every time he got the ball, shouting obscenities at him? Because, I mean, that's what I'd expect. No, I told you it was too, it was too cold. <laughs> um, whereas some people didn't have their, their sort of COVID mask over their face. I have mine on just okay. to keep my, keep my, my cheeks warm. Um, a couple of things that aren't related to the actual football on this. Simon Kier has obviously been ruled out with an ACL injury, so you'd imagine that his season finished, unfortunately. When... Alexis Salamakers scored the goal. He went over and got a Kair 24 shirt and held it up. And the first time I remember this happening was with Neymar at the 2014 World Cup where he got injured and all of the Brazil players took out to the pitch wearing Neymar shirts. Then I understood it because I was like, right, this is Neymar's World Cup. It's in Brazil. It means a lot to him. But as things like this continue to happen, I understand it less and less. And... I know the year that Kyer has had, and he's he finished 18th in the Ballon d'Or, which let's not get into that because it wasn't for his footballing ability. He's not dead, Kev. No, indeed, these these acts do seem a little bit morbid. You know, it's I think if unless somebody's had you know, so say you know, uh, Kyer's teammate Christian Eriksen, yeah, you know, if there is a uh, you know, I suppose whatever we call it, a, a risk to someone's life through you know illness or injury or whatever. Then yeah, go agreed. Go ahead. But yeah, what what made me bizarre? Now I tell you what, but it was that bad. I've I've forgotten who scored. Oh, Kessie scored the first goal. Yeah. I wonder if he doesn't like here because he never ran to the bench. <laughs> and I thought when I saw Salamakas like going because he was running towards me. Well, he wasn't literally running towards me. He thought he was coming he, to he, give you a telling he, off. He was, he was running in my direction, and he was he was sort of going, "Oh, everybody out my way, out my way." I've gone, going over, and I'm thinking, "Oh, he's 
oh, he's, 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 he's got a friend or something, or his wife or his girlfriend or his partner or whatever is, is over there. And then, then a, a coaching staff member, and oh, yeah, he's got a friend, he's going to hug him. And then he got this shirt, and oh, oh my God, he's only, he's only injured. Um, and, and yeah, was, oh, well, Kessie clearly doesn't get on Luke yet. <laughs> so, you know, you can start, start the rumour mill that Kessie's off um, because Kier wants him out of Milan and he didn't hold his shirt up. We're looking at this photo now, right, of... So he's holding up a Kier home shirt oh, while no. he's wearing, at the San Siro, that abomination... Oh, of a black third shirt. Now, I don't think I need to ask your thoughts on this, but I'm going to, Kev. Well, I should be wearing a kit, for <laughs> one. Um, but I would like some consistency with the shirt holding, if, if they, they should have at least held a shirt yeah. that they were playing in. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's, the thing is, it's not just that they're wearing it at San Siro, it's such an awful shirt. That, in, that entire range brought out by Puma, um, the, whatever they called it, the crestless um, kits it's just the crestless awful. kit with about 20 crests on it is that a stain on Salamaker's shirt there not sure it's not part of the sponsor that is it no maybe a bird it looks like overhead. Tipex do you know what Tipex is I do know what Tipex is <laughs> I thought that might have been an Irish word <laughs> no, for no, that no, no. Tipex <laughs> definitely hit the that's UK. the company isn't yeah. it Tipex okay, well, right. I was surprised you knew it because obviously you don't really type anything it was brought out for typewriter errors and things wasn't it Back in the was day. it we used to use it at school yeah, but and you had the little Tipex mouse as well that ran the white strip over it. They weren't very good, but they no, were to stop no. students sniffing Tipex, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, I remember that. Actually. No comment. I suppose. Let's continue. No. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't my uh, hobby of choice, sniffing Tipex or any other no. solvent. No. Kev, I I do want to just veer off slightly here now because we're talking about the title race in Serie A. There's also there was uh, a pretty tasty title race shaping up at Serie A Feminile and for that reason I went along to Sassuolo again this weekend to watch the Nero Verde unfortunately lose 2-0 against Juventus Cristiano Girelli scored both of Juve's goals and we spoke a little bit about this yesterday evening as well and it just reminded me of the the worst days of Juventus's dominance in, in the men's game in that Sassuolo played them off the park like they were just so much better than Juve until they got into Juve's box. But I said to you, Girelli had three chances. They were the only chances Juve had. And each of them came from nowhere. She hit the post with one and then scored two in 10 minutes. <laughs> that was it. Game over. There's still half the season to go, but Juventus are now unbeaten in 50 Serie A games. And they've won the last 34 of those. They're they're winning the Scudetto this season. And it is a real shame because we've we've seen this Sassuolo team build something very very special. They're they're still quite a new side, and they have every chance of qualifying for the Champions League next season, which you would be very happy to see. But the work that Gian Piero Piovani is doing is really really worthwhile. But then, then you they will go and asset strip them. That's the fear, right? Because you look at this team and Sofia Cantore, who I interviewed recently for FIF, she is just getting better with, with every season. So she was at on loan at Elas Verona, then she was on loan at uh, Florentia, who no longer exist because Sampdoria bought them and now they're Sampdoria. I think this is what, um, you know, why I don't get so excited about uh, about women's football across Europe because it already feels like the financial strength 
that's kind of developed from the male side, you know, the Wolfsburgs mm. and the Leon, that it, it's kind of not allowed... You know, we've had a hundred years, say, of most European leagues, you know, be able to find years of other little clubs having a little bit of success. And, you know, the, the, the men's game is now going towards a core group of, well, a lot of, largely those Super League clubs that wanted yeah. to break away. And it feels that the within the women's great game across Europe that there's already that kind of, those sort of financially elite sides. And and it's 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 a shame that they they haven't maybe got a, a stricter cap on, on on something so they could allow some more organic size like yeah. Sassuolo to come yeah. to come up through the through the system. I think this is why, for me personally, one of the reasons why I find the the Sassuolo story so so good because they are just coming naturally, like as a club across the board, youth level, men's women's football. Sassuolo are just growing, but. I take what you mean because Juve have won each of the last four Serie A titles. Before that, they didn't win any because, well, they didn't exist. They they were established in 2017 by buying out another football club and everything that that entails. So Real Madrid did something similar in Spain. They've started to exist because they bought out another club as well. Yeah, some of those clubs like Juve and, and Madrid, it feels like they've just they bolted a women's game onto kind of almost like the PR and marketing mm. wing of the club. Mm. You know, you would have loved to have, you know, you would love, you would prefer a story that Juventus have had a ladies team since the mid nineties. Okay. It's been playing semi-professionally. It's, 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 you know, obviously with an improvement in infrastructure and training facilities, they've come up through the league and they've won the last four. Instead, mm. they've just kind of bought some success. Yeah. Similarly to the men's Serie A, the, the race for the top four is is quite interesting here because Inter managed to beat Milan 3-0 in the derby, which was not a result that anybody was expecting. So now Sassuolo are second on 24. Then you've got Roma and Milan on 22 and Inter on 21. So the, the battle for that second and final Champions League place is really, really hotting up there. And it's going to be a good one to watch. Sassuolo... They're going to have a big test now to see how they bounce back from this Juventus defeat because other than losing to Roma, they looked pretty much unstoppable so far this season. But now it's very open there. So I would encourage anybody to get involved. There's a, a free-to-air game every week that you can watch on um, La Sette, LA7. And you can stream that anywhere in the world. So I would advise you guys to get on it because Sassuolo in particular, some of the football they play is just, I mean... It's, it's what we saw from Saudis and Napoli at times. Really enjoyable stuff. Back to the men's football. Inter men's team also recorded a, a 3-0 win over the weekend. They went away to Roma and, and blew them away in the first half. Akan Chalonoglu scored directly from a corner. Edin Dzeko then scored and looked really sad about it. Not only did he not celebrate, he looked like he had just killed his... I'm not going to finish that sentence, but someone yeah. very close to him. Um, and then Denzel Dumfries scored the third with, when I saw this, I was with you the first time I saw this and I thought, whoa, because he just threw himself at the yeah. ball and he nearly went into the net with it. I'm not, I'm not sure he needed to throw himself, of course, no. like he did, but he put, yeah, yeah, sod it, <laughs> The power was amazing <laughs> on it, but you watched this, I didn't because I was on my way back from... Well, I wasn't on my way back. I decided to stop off and spend a bit of time in Sassuolo because it's a nice little village. Um, I got a hot chocolate. I made friends with a barman. It was, it was a lovely time, Kev, a lovely time. I went to the shop, spent a bit of money. Um, but Inter, were they just that good or were Roma a disaster? Well, they started so quickly and, and got in the lead. And I think 
because Roma had so many um, players out, their kind of heads just dropped. Um, maybe that 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 also when Jacko scores, it's like oh, you know they've, they've yeah. seen, you know lots of them lots of those players that I've seen him finishing like that in training, and maybe just kind of had a sort of a feeling of of that this was not going to be not going to be their day. Um, I say I sat and watched it in a bar in Milan, and there was um there was a, a nice chap, Max, a Frenchman that's lived in Milan since ninety seven, who was an inter season ticket holder, and he was surprisingly um, polite about Roma and making, you know, rather than being, oh yeah, no, we're freeing a up and we're we're walking this game. He he highlighted the the, the lack of um, certain players that Roma had available to them, um, but it it did feel um, almost like a sort of a polished mm. Conte performance, you know, just getting the job done. You know, they're out of sight by half time, and a, a bit like. Um, how Milan against Salernitana didn't feel right on Saturday, where this kind of was a, a classic sharp shot. You look at the the Roma team, and it's hard to even work out what structure, if any, they they had. Yeah, well, they spoke about Zaniolo in a false nine position, and as we were watching uh, on the screen, we couldn't work out if that actually was where he was playing. Right. It, it seemed very fluid, but I don't think that helped them because they they were a little bit at sixes and sevens at times. We should have chatted to one of or both of Ewan Burns and Alistair McKenzie because both of them were at the Olympico for this so maybe we, we should have asked that question before we started recording Kev um, but it's, it's not like you to bring up something during the recording that we could have checked beforehand is it what did you make of uh, Mourinho's comments on Zaniolo I think it was before the Inter game when it was after the Bologna game in midweek where he said basically look this is detrimental for me to say but I've got some advice for Zaniolo, leave Italy because you're not allowed to play here because basically everyone just kicks him. Yeah, I think that's partly um, for the referee's benefit. Mm. Always is with Mourinho. Does he not have a point here though because of Zaniolo's track record with injuries? Yeah, but he's been unfortunate with injuries. It's not It's not like hatchet men have, yeah. have gone out to physically and certainly not in the days of what we remember as the old classic hatchet men, the... Uh, Paolo Monteros and the... Uh, Felipe Melo more recently. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. yeah. Um, well, yeah, oddly, who played under Mourinho. And, uh, Is Mourinho, that odd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mourinho wouldn't have been complaining about the fouls he used to commit at times. Um, I don't think necessarily... I could only really see Spain, um, you know, Ligue 1, quality was isn't good enough for Zaniolo, but also it's quite an industrious... Uh, it's league. very physical, yeah. Um, and so is the Premier League. So, yeah, I think more aimed at the uh, at the Italian referees. Um, but I'm certainly sure that the Roma fans wouldn't like um, Mourinho making those comments. No, you would think not. But I'm sorry, we just there's just been some breaking news as for recording this podcast, which is that oh. um, Sampdoria precedent. Massimo Ferrero has been arrested. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to get into that. Well, he's he's bankrupt, and the there have been some alleged corporate crimes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he hasn't just been doing transfer dealings with Juventus. No, well, not that we know of. Uh, but yeah, let's just see. I let's not land ourselves in hot water. No, let's not. I have a a friend here in. Parma, who actually, you might see her on the street because she lives very close to me, and she had a lot of things to tell me from 
first-hand knowledge about this man. So let's just say I'm not surprised that this news is coming out now. What I am surprised about is that it didn't happen a year ago. Uh, so the, look, the less said about that, the better. Well, but... Vito might get his wish and <laughs> yeah. he'll be forced to sell up. So. Yeah, but he was he was forced to sell up a year ago and didn't. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, back to this. Chalunoglu scored a corner, but he wasn't the only player to score directly from a corner this weekend, Kev, because there was also a corner goal scored in Lazio's 3-1 win against Sampdoria. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. No. It wasn't in this one, was it? No, Why did it was, I just invent that? It was Juan Cuadrado because I... I it was Juan Cuadrado. <laughs> because was, I, I, I said to Alistair McKenzie, who was um, at the... That's uh, why at, I thought at, it was Lazio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> he was at the Olympico and uh, he hit after my question. He decided that the Chalunoglu corner was better than Cuadrado's. I beg to differ because Cuadrado's loops up and over and goes in at the back post as opposed to uh, the front, which I think Chalunoglu's was possibly slightly mishit um, if he spotted that there was nobody on the front post and managed to not make the goalkeeper. It looks better, but I think Cuadrado's actually going for the yeah. for the back back post and um, yeah, much nicer strike. Well, obviously, given my, my slip, I've not seen Cuadrado's, but I did see Chalunoglu's and I wasn't all that impressed by because it, it did look like a miss hit cross yeah. um, and we were saying that I've seen Musa Barrow and Ruslan Malinovsky very often shoot from corners and you know that they're shooting because of the way they hit it mm-hmm. Chalunoglu just under hit that or, or scuffed a cross that was aimed towards the near post and remember was it two weeks ago now the, the Napoli game Inter scored from a corner that was whipped into the near post and someone got ahead on it it was that corner just executed poorly yeah yeah just much lower mm. uh, delivery so I, I think it was that in the Juve game mm. uh, Juventus had 27 shots as they beat Genoa 2-0 and Genoa had none they had 29% of the ball and Andrei Shevchenko's time there is just it's just not going very well Kev is it no well he he, he got a point what was his second game um, but I imagine he is very quickly realising how badly um, or how poor the squad is. Do we even count the point considering it um, was against Udinese? Well, I think at this stage of the season he has to because it might be what keeps them up. Why Why have Genoa given him the job at this point of the season? Because they appointed him ahead of a game against Roma and the five first games he's got as Genoa boss, are against Roma, Udinese, okay, whatever, Milan, Juventus, and the Derby against Sampdoria. Or against, yeah, Sampdoria. Yeah, discounting the Derby for a second, I think they probably would have, it would have allowed him a little bit of time to play with his team with very low or no expectation that they would get any points. Um, But going into Friday's Derby, they're going to have to show more than 27% Mm. possession and no shots on goal. This smacks me of, I'm pretty sure it was Di Francesco and Sassuolo sacked him way back. And everyone was a bit surprised until they looked at the fixture list. And Sassuolo were struggling for a few weeks and then they had all of the big teams coming up. So Sassuolo sacked Di Francesco almost so he wasn't associated with what was to come and got someone in and they lost all of the big games. So then they sacked him and brought Di Francesco back. So what you're saying is Balladini's coming back. Well, look, 
Balladini is coming back this season. We know he's coming back this season because it's Genoa. I know Preziosi's not there, but Balladini's coming back this season. I'd be surprised if he came back before Christmas, but after that Genoa, after that Sampdoria game, they play Salernitana, so they might win in the Coppa Italia, but as far as Serie A goes, after that game, they've got Lazio, Atalanta, and Sassuolo, so they could very easily get hammered in those three games, and Shevchenko's gone by the new year. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to just, I'm just going to hold out some hope that they give him a little bit of time. I, I want him to do well because I think he did a very good job with Ukraine. But you look at this and I don't see how a coach can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even 11 games without winning yeah, and, and continue. I suppose given the level of opposition, it's going to allow, yeah, he's going to justify it would be able to go. Focus today, lads, is clean sheet. You know, but um, given their attacking output at the weekend they've not scored a goal they've been doing that for a number of weeks (laughs) we spoke about them on the pod as being like a a fun team to watch under Ballardini for second half matches then Ballardini got the chop after a 2-2 draw against Empoli and since then they've played four games and they've not scored any goals so they just don't like fun in Genoa they prefer it from their owners yeah, what's worse is in those four games, they've had five shots on target. It's not good, is it? No, it's woeful. <laughs> it's not good. Um, let's move on and talk about something a little bit more positive. Is there anything more positive? Lazio beat Sampdoria 3-1. Sorry, Vito. Well, that's for, positive for, for Genoa. Yeah, Milinkovic Savage scored, Immobile got two, Milinkovic Savage got sent off, and then Manolo Gabbiadini pulled one back for Sam. This is just a result that you'd expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think so. I saw somebody tweet out that Immobile's now 16th in the all time uh, Serie A top scorers, which is a phenomenal achievement. It is. Um, I think his rate is 0.61 goals a game. That is um, and I think silly. The, the person above him. Sorry, I can't remember who is like point four. You know, and most of them are point four, and it's yeah, it's ridiculous numbers, and it still astounds me how he gets so much criticism for his Italian um, yeah performances. Yeah, and given how strikers tend to come into their prime post thirty in Italy, he's thirty one. He could easily have another five years. Yeah, six years. yeah, absolutely. I reckon he probably played to thirty six, thirty seven. Um, you know, arguably players certainly look after themselves better these mm. days. I want them to spend some time in Napoli. He obviously, he's Napolitano mm. himself. He he seems to have a, a real affinity to the city that he's from, as every Napolitano person that I know does. So it would be great to see him play there. Are there any other things we need to talk about? Yeah, there are. We need to talk about the games we were at, Kev, yes, don't we? Indeed. Um, firstly, Sassuolo came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. To Spezia, Giacomo Raspadori scored both of the equalising goals there. And you were again unhappy because Sassuolo wore blue. Yeah, no need to wear an away strip. Although you did point out last night that their away strip is white. So that would have clashed with Spezia. But mm. then just wear your green and black. Black shorts on both teams. Is that not an issue? Uh, well, I think it is under the new FIFA legislation. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I just, I just think playing your home strips, people... All right, fair enough. The games we were at, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about Bologna-Fiorentina because, it, I mean, 
it was 3-2, so it looked more fun than it was. But I, I'll tell you, I was bored in the second half of this. I was bored. The first half wasn't great, but there were two goals. So it was a bit... It was still open. But then as soon as Biragi scored Fiorentina second with that free kick, Bologna weren't coming back. Bologna were dreadful. Absolutely woeful. And not for the first time this season either. Uh, Dusan Vlaovic scored from the penalty spot to get his 30th goal this calendar year and he's only the fourth player to ever do that in a calendar year before the age of 22 or at 22 or something like that um he's having a great all time but Musa Barrow's goal oh the volley what a goal but it didn't show it last night could it no I couldn't work out what sort of highlights package we were watching because I got all excited when they showed the opener they showed Male's goal and I said, oh, wait, watch this next. And then they just jumped ahead to Baraghi's free kick. Uh, Barrow's goal is one of the goals of the weekend. I was very put out by that. So, Sky Sport Italia, sort that out, please. wasn't pleased about that. But Fiorentina are very much in that conversation with the top five. They temporarily moved into fifth with this win. Juve have since overtaken them again. But Italiano's doing good work there. We'll probably talk about them in a little bit more depth another time. But we want to talk about the maddest game of this weekend. I won't say the week because Udinese's 4-4 draw Lazio during the week was was up there. But um, you were in Venice for this. You were in the home section but right beside the away section. So you experienced the best of both worlds on this one I suppose. And Venezia went 3-0 up in half an hour and lost the game. Yeah, it was it was a bizarre it was a bizarre match. There was um a significant away support that were um less than less than nice to the to the Venezia fans. What were they doing to you? Well, wow, before the game had even kicked off, they were trying to sort of climb over and sort of uh, you know, they're all gesticulating to each other. Obviously I understood very little of what was what was being said, but I could at least make out the object. I'll tell you what it was. Thrown. It was you and the people from your city are pieces of shit <laughs> and go yourselves. That's exactly what they were saying. What was very funny, actually, about the only thing that I found funny from the behaviour of the um, Hellas Verona fans was when the stadium announcer went through their team, they gave it all the forename and then the fans chant out the surname. Then the Venezia came along and they did Sergio and then... Obviously, Romero was about the only one I could remember <laughs> what it was. But when they got to the second player, every time the stadium announcer announced the forename, the Hellas Verona fans were saying some just the same word over and over okay. again. It was probably piece of shit. Murder! Yeah, it was murder. I'm okay. sorry, I worked that one out. I mean, it began with an S. And um, it got to the point, cause they, because they were so vocal... Even with the rest, the other sort of three stands or four and a half, yeah, three and a half stands shouting it, you couldn't. Uh, I suppose maybe because I was right next mm. to them as well, but you couldn't hear the surname over the top. But it got to the point where the fans alongside me and the home end were laughing. <laughs> it got about five people in, and they realised they couldn't be heard above the Hellas Verona fans. <laughs> and, and but then the other fans at the other end were whistling from uh, the Curva Sud. Okay. So so actually, even they were being put off by it, and it was just it was. Phenomenal piece of shit housery okay. um, by the by the Hellas Verona fans. Um, it was quite an even first half. I said to you last night that there seemed to be no sort of structure to how Venezia were were going ahead. There was a mistake that they got a tap in. Johnson came on really really early, about ten minutes in, and finally showed a bit of 
drive. I want to talk about the fan who fell. Well, that was on the third goal. <laughs> okay, right, continue. Yeah, so then, so then when they sort of took the took a free goal lead in twenty in twenty seven minutes, the fans to my left were just going absolutely mental. They were te- they were shaking this sort of metal wire structure that was stopping them from because there was probably a one meter gap between the two stands. Mm. And then suddenly there was, there was just like a silent a moment of silence ever so quickly. Or you sort of kind of I was aware of like the the security sort of rushing towards where the Verona fans were, and they're already at this point still throwing bottom glasses or not glasses but plastic cups of piss on you know because I don't think it was beer. Who throws away beer? Yeah, either that. That's just me. I would have wasted a good beer. And then so I'm looking and trying to work out what they're looking at, and then these two heads pop up, and they're sort of because they're, they're so like trying to get to the Venezia fans and go, oh, you know, I think one, one fan's toppled over this bar and taken another with them and they couldn't work out to get them out and it was just, it was, uh, it, it was bizarre. It made for a, a real fun kind of moment in the game and, and then Hellas Verona really got their just rewards for, for having a little bit more structure and to, to their attacks and, and I, I had, I said to you, I hadn't realised that they'd gone down to ten men, Venezia, when the ball was handled on the line mm. for the Caprari penalty on the sixty-five minutes that um, made it three-two, uh, and and yeah, they just a fun game, I think. But it was weird because Venice fans didn't seem that put out that they'd lost, maybe mm. because they're expecting their their season to sort of swing. But you know, it is a localish. Rival. They've had a, a bit of late heartache this season already. The game I was at, which was their first back, they they conceded in in stoppage time. I it might have been the last kick of the game against Spezia to, to lose when they were about to get a point, or maybe it was to to get a point. No, they lost, I think. But yeah, I, I felt that same deflation around the place then as well, almost a resignation, which you hope it's not because. It, it's still very early in the season, and it's not like they're yeah they're not completely cut adrift. Cut adrift there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Quite, they're not even in the relegation zone at the moment. So it would be disappointing if that was the case. But the form isn't great. They've lost three in a row now. But um, what did you make of Venice? Because when you were telling that story last night about the, the fan falling in, because it's Venice, I like in my head pictured him falling in and then a big splash coming down because he landed in water because that's how close the water is to the stadium it's basically like the stadium's floating in in the middle of the lagoon right yeah because there's like one there's like one side that is is fully there's just water behind it um the curve of nord where i was has got land a little bit of land <laughs> and, and then the yeah, and then the other the, the other uh, side of which the the benches and things are on have got a, a, a canal or you yeah. call it a moat it's a canal, and um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bizarre. It's at least it was dry as yeah. well because that wouldn't have been fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know how they improve upon it, you know, for because of the the issues around the water. But it's a quir- it's a quirky, nice little stadium. It's they could do with a few more um, stands outside to sell fridge magnets. Yeah, know, there's like. not, is there? No, and it was uh, it was strange getting in because they sort of kind of. I went to one gate and they went, "No, you got to go to the other gate," and you kind of squeeze between buildings. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a nice first trip to the, Penzo. So similarly to when you went to Atalanta and didn't get a fridge magnet, am I now going to have to try and source a Venezia fridge magnet for you? Every time. Okay, I will try my best. 
to get that sorted for you, Kev. Anyway, what's next? That's all the games, isn't it? That is. That is all the games. Lunch, so, I think. Lunch, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna head out and get something else to eat now. Um, what do you fancy? Anything. Do you fancy going something Parmesan, like a local dish? Well, that's always the best way to go. All always right. go local. A couple of places I've got in mind, so we'll, we'll take a walk and we'll we'll get that sorted. Hopefully, um, Kev, I'm not even gonna thank you for joining me this week because you're literally sleeping in my apartment so yeah. it would have been rude if you said no to going yeah. on the pod thank you um, but listeners remember patreon.com slash Forza Italian football you can sign up to support the website for 2, 5 or 10 euro a month 2 euro a month 50 cents a week I think that's pretty good value 5 euro a month a euro and a bit a week I, I think it's decent value for what we're giving you over there we will be back for our patrons again on Wednesday night with a Champions League review pod. And then again on Friday to preview the upcoming round of, of Serie A games. So, patreon.com slash Italian football for that. Listeners, we'll speak to you next week. Patrons, we'll speak to you loads before then. Kev, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye from me. Yeah!